All right, there we go. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Team here, and this is BXJS Weekly, bringing you all the best JavaScript news. Can't even speak properly today. It's so damn hot outside. This is BXJS Weekly, episode 126, bringing you all the best JavaScript news of the week in a podcast form. And today we got a small-ish podcast with, I mean, there's some interesting things here, but mostly not that many. I don't know why. Maybe people are overheated and nobody actually wants to do anything. Can totally understand that. I am just dying. It's plus 34 degrees and I definitely don't want to live now. But um, there we go. Um, hey, Front and Nexus, welcome to the stream. All right, as usual, the first section of the podcast is getting started and we got exactly one article here today that is titled Polymorphism in JavaScript. This is a pretty good description and I guess introduction to polymorphism, what it is and what kind of types there are and how exactly do they look if you code that stuff in JavaScript, which is a really good starting point. If you are just getting started, you never heard about polymorphism, really good starting point. If you are still kind of confused about polymorphism that might clear up some things for you. If you never heard about it again, you know, do give it a read through. If you already know what polymorphism is and how does it, you know, typically look, then there is nothing super in-depth or new in here. But uh, yeah, if that sounds interesting, do check it out. Uh, hey, Malaf, welcome to the stream. Uh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> All right, continuing, we got articles and news section. We got three pretty cool articles here today, starting with the first one that is titled One Keys, How I Made a Piano in Only One Kilobyte of JavaScript. So we're gonna talk um, about JS1K a bit later, uh, which, you know, is actually concluded uh, recently and there's a bunch of winners and they are freaking amazing. And this is actually right up from one of the winners in the, I believe, HTML um, section of the JS1K challenge. Uh, the guy builds a um, piano in one kilobyte of JavaScript, which is pretty mind-blowing. And this article walks you through how exactly he did that, what techniques he used to optimize the code, to minimize it, and, you know, to do the sounds, the keyboard controls, and all of that in, in 1020 bytes, which is <laughs> mind-blowing in my opinion. The demo itself is really cool. The write-up is even more fascinating to see, you know, like the kind of things he did to um, trim the size of the thing. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating write-up. I mean, you know, I guess the practical... Not sure there's a lot of practical application in here, but um, as a study piece, it's absolutely fascinating. So do make sure to look at that if you are interested in this kind of stuff. Next article we got here is uh, different versions of your site can be running at the same time. Now, that's a thing that's uh, pretty obvious when you start thinking about it, but something I personally haven't thought before actually reading the article, right? So your website is something that exists across time and across browsers. And then there's people who, you know, never close their browser or never close tabs or never reload your website which means that they might have the older versions of the website running, right? And um, this is a real problem that might occur when you are building websites that update even weekly, basically, right? So the article talks about the problems that might arise from cases like this and what you can actually do to solve them, such as, you know, the stuff went missing, the stuff changed, the API endpoints changed, the 
storage scheme has changed and so on and so forth with the solutions, which I found to be pretty cool. So if you are working on a major websites that change frequently and you had weird bugs, then this might well might as well be one of the causes because you know, you can like, it's really, it's really easy to see how things like this can break your client or backend, to be honest, like if your backend is not resilient enough, this might as well result in some uh, weird stuff happening. So do make sure to read the article and uh, think about where you can fix your code with uh, problems like this, which is again, you know, I can, uh, I immediately saw a couple of cases in the product we're currently working on where that might have been an issue. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting issue, uh, Marcus. Pretty interesting. How would I put it? It's not really an issue in on its own, but it's rather a set of problems, I guess, you face when you build uh, websites that deploy frequently, I guess, right? Anyhow, continuing, we got a window of opportunity, how windowing saved our data table. A pretty nice write-up that is... Um, sort of a deep dive into the problem of a very large lists that scroll essentially and windowing techniques that allow you to, um, well, only render the items that you literally see on a screen, right? This is what windowing is about. And um, what they basically use to first of all, track down the issue, uh, specifically in this case, React issue. So it was in React, so they use stuff like, why did you render, React dev tools, you know, memoization, all that kind of stuff. And then falling back to the React Virtualized that specifically does the uses the windowing technique uh, to just render the things that user can actually see on the screen and freeing everything else to allow you to render thousands upon thousands of rows without any real FPS impact, which is uh, pretty great. So if that sounds interesting, do check out. It's actually pretty great. Again, if you never heard about windowing or you never heard about React Virtualized, which I think I've already talked multiple times here, make sure to check this out. It's a really good uh, library and a really good approach to rendering thousands of items, as I said, without any impact to performance. Hey, man on run, welcome to the stream. Hey, Massimo, welcome to the stream. Welcome, welcome, guys. All right, that is it for the articles and news, just three today. Now we're coming to the tips, tricks and bit-sized awesomeness. There is a few interesting things happening here. So the first one being, as I already said, JS1K challenge. There is winners from uh, 2020 edition. So the first one being the uh, HTML winner is the one keys that we just uh, looked at um, on the article, basically how he created that. There's a 2D canvas winner, shader winner, P5JS winner, and a bunch of other I guess, you know, lower places, not the winners, but they are still like a lot of those demos are really mind blowing. So if you are interested in stuff like this, if you wanted to see what can you actually do with just one kilobyte of JavaScript, absolutely check this out. It is just insane. Uh, look on the YouTube. Can you fit a whole game into a QR code? Um, I'm guessing you can. I mean, QR code does fit um, pretty, quite, quite a bit, uh, wait a second maximum size um qr code does fit quite a bit of bytes right so i think it was qr code blah 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 where's they come on sometimes DuckDuckGo does not do a very good job of giving you the results um can hold 35 wait a second can hold 35 numeric characters no that's a micro qr code so what is the the large qr codes um uh, where is the size of it come on now QR code Mike's Charling. Yeah, so 7,000 characters. That's like 
four or five kilobytes, right? And like, if if people manage to do games in one kilobyte, then yeah, of course you can fit a game in, in QR code. That's like a lot bigger. So this challenge is actually more impressive than fitting something into a QR code. But anyway, um, if three kilobytes, is it three kilobytes? Well, I mean, it depends on encoding, right? So anyway, it's way more than one kilobyte. So you can definitely fit uh, a game in there. And, you know, the JS1K is, again, super impressive. So make sure to check this out and uh, just look at the demos that are here. It's just mind-blowing what you can do. Anyway, continuing, we got announcement from uh, Node.js team. The uh, stage three top level await is now enabled by default in Node.js master branch and will be released for Node.js version 14.8. So once Node 14.8 ships, you will be able to finally use top level await without any flags or anything like that, which is, uh, you know, about time. <laughs> Really excited about that. Um, adding flags was annoying to run test stuff, but uh, there we go. So I'm hoping they will be released sometime next week, maybe in two weeks or so. But uh, yeah, it's really great to see that finally unflagged. Code golfing with JavaScript is awesome. Love the Preact code base for that. Oh man, Preact code base is freaking insane. Like this thing is just, it's even crazier when you follow like the developers. Um, every time that you, I managed to remove like, 20 more bytes from Preact code base. Like, I, I, I have a feeling at some point it's just going to go negative and be like, you know, free up space for you if that continues. But yeah, the Preact is absolutely fascinating. Uh, hey, Mohammed, uh, what are you doing? I am currently streaming BXJS podcast, which covers the JavaScript news. Um, in general, I'm a software developer, if that's interesting. Anyway, continuing, we got uh, announcement from the Code Sandbox team uh, that you can now use any of those short URLs to create new sandbox code sandboxes. Really quick, the URLs are ts.new, js.new, react.new, view.new, ng.new, and csb.new. What is csb? Anyway, if you are using Code Sandbox, you know it is awesome and uh, csb.new doesn't seem to work. I believe ts.new, yes, ts. I'm not sure what is, oh, I guess it's code sandbox.new. Okay, so it's just basically create new code sandbox. Got it. Uh, code sandbox is awesome. It's probably my the editor of choice, basically for anything that, you know, need to test real quick and share with someone. Um, it's really cool that they created those simple URLs. I think they basically mimics the, I think the, what do you call them? The Google Drive was the first one who created the URLs like this, right? There was like doc.new or sheet.new or something like this, if I remember correctly. I never used that, but it's great that they exist basically. Okay, continuing. We got um, some news from the Twitter team, which uh, I think is really impressive to be honest. So uh, the uh, there's a tweet. The Twitter web app now runs ES6 Plus for modern browsers, which is the Chrome 79 Plus, Safari 14 Plus and Firefox 68 Plus. Reducing the polyfill bundle size by 83%. So it's not the app size, but the polyfill size, right? And it went down, gzipped from 16.6 kilobytes down to 2.7 kilobytes just by shipping different polyfills for different browser versions, which is mind blowing. And I think this brings a really good, uh, this sort of a really good proof that you should care about you know shipping different bundles for modern and older browsers because it can and will save you some insane kilobytes that you basically ship to users 
which again, you know, there's a really good illustration of that on a real world web app, which is uh, super impressive. So if you're interested, there's a bit more information in the thread there. Do make sure to check this out. Again, super impressive, super cool. And uh, hoping to see more companies do that to decrease the sizes of stuff we actually pull from the servers, because that's always a good thing, right? All right. The last thing we got here for today in the tips, tricks, and besides awesomeness category is the state of front-end 2020 survey that uh, taken the surveys from uh, four and a half thousand developers and uh, does have some interesting things in here. So the survey itself, you know, is pretty standard stuff like, you know, what kind of frameworks do you use? Uh, what kind of frameworks are you happy with? What kind of frameworks do you want to learn? So on and so forth. There's some interesting TypeScript stats in here. Um, I found it to be curious that a lot of people seem to think that JavaScript will turn into something like TypeScript over time, which I tend to agree with. And I think this is basically where we're going, looking at other tools and how they were essentially incorporated into JavaScript itself over years. It's not probably going to take two, three years, probably going to be longer than that. But uh, this is my impression as well. And it seems like a lot of people agree with that, which is uh, pretty cool. So hopefully people on TC39 agree with that as well. <laughs> And we're going to see some types um, added, like strict typing added to JavaScript itself. If you're curious about the survey itself, do have a look. Again, there's some uh, interesting uh, things here. So like a lot of, a lot more people than I expected use Kubernetes at work. Um, Docker is prevalent as, you know, as you might imagine. But yeah, it's, it's curious to see. Again, this is a front-end developer survey. So it's not just JavaScript, it's basically front-end. And again, surprising to see something like Kubernetes and Docker very wide to be very widespread in front end, which you know you kind of would expect. Like, why would they need it? Why would they even need to touch it? But anyway, there we go. Okay, that is it for the tips, tricks, and bit size awesomeness. Now we got releases section. We got three of them here today, uh, starting with a new TypeScript website. So the along with shipping the TypeScript 4.0 RC which is the next thing. Um, again, I think we already talked about TypeScript for O beta when it was released a couple of weeks ago. Nothing really changed from that. So it's just a release candidate with more bug fixes, but you know, the features are the same. So you got the variadic tuple types, you got the labeled tuple elements and a bunch of other stuff like incremental with no emits and some other editor improvements. Um, won't talk about that much, but uh, along with the 4.0RC, they shipped the new TypeScript website that brings in a ton of improvements, including stuff like Playground version three, which has a lot of cool things you can play with. And uh, basically um, tsconfigjson finally has an explanation in line that you can no longer have to Google for it. The new handbook is there, which I found to be a lot nicer to read through than the older version. Again, you know, the older version was also pretty great, but the new one is just a bit easier to navigate in my opinion. It's also now localized, so if you are not that good with English, uh, you probably wouldn't be watching this podcast, but <laughs> you know, um, you can now use everything on a website in your language, which I, there's quite a few of them actually. And it's out today, so you can just go ahead and give it a shot. Same goes for the TypeScript 4.0RC. Uh, again, you know, there's a release card. Uh, this is a release candidate, which means that some things, minor things might change. There might be some bugs. But you can just go ahead and try it on your code base if you have anything in production more likely than not is going to work pretty well uh the rc versions from the typescript team has been pretty damn stable there's usually very little bugs and they tend to release the final versions pretty quick again if you cannot wait just try it now if you can wait then well probably going to have a release version in a couple of days or uh, within a week i guess 
and the final release we got here is uh, SWR version 0.3.0. The reason why I wanted to highlight that is because they've added an infinite loading API. So if you never used SWR, it's a really handy hooks library for React for remote data fetching that makes um, fetching data pretty straightforward and very nice. Basically, you literally just use a hook with the endpoint and then some fetcher, which can be either a custom one or something as straightforward as just a fetch function. And uh, it gives you a bunch of tools that allow you to, well, make it easier to work with React essentially with stuff like, you know, the loading state, the data, the errors, the mutations, and so on and so forth. And now they've added the infinite loading API, which makes doing uh, stuff like endless scrolling incredibly easy by just literally calling uh, size and set size functions, which is uh, pretty damn great. So uh, yeah, there you go. If that sounds interesting, do check out. It's a pretty great library and uh, quite handy for working with REST API when you don't have a GraphQL. Right, that's it for releases. Now we're coming to the libs and demos. We do have um, a few of them, like not that many again, but uh, it's uh, pretty nice. Let me have a look at the chat. I'm having an issue to remote uh, content security policy on my app deployed at Versal. Because of that, I cannot load view from CDN. Uh, I mean, CSP is can be annoying, but you typically want to bundle everything into your app to evade having problems, especially when you're deploying to services like Versal because it's already it already has a content delivery network in there. So, like, why would you load stuff from content delivery if you already deployed to a service that has content delivery network integrated. So I would just bundle everything and not use third-party content delivery networks and just serve everything from Versal itself because they already do CDNs for you. Anyway, going into the libs and demos, we got GraphAV, a graph algorithm visualizer built using React TypeScript and styled components. So I found this thing to be pretty cool for two reasons. First of all, it visualizes the bunch of different algorithms uh, for whatever reason. I think, um, why is it not working? It was working just um, just before that. I am not sure what is happening now. Um, okay, I think I broke it or maybe it's just my uh, JavaScript blocker. I think it was working. Okay, anyway. <laughs> It was working for me before. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe something to do with my cache, but it's a really nice uh, visualizer for the graph algorithms that basically does it step by step. So you can actually see how the algorithm works. You can also like pause it and check out what's happening and see the, uh, you know, go back and see the step by step. I mean, I think there's a lot of apps like this, but this one is very nice made. It's made with React, so you can actually use it as a learning material if you're learning React and TypeScript. So that sounds interesting. Do check GraphAV out. Next thing we got here is DACDB, a syncable database built on IPLD, which is some sort of um, blockchain technology that I have no idea, no interest about, but the project seems quite nice. So if you are interested in this sort of blockchain distributed uh, kind of tech databases, do check it out. It seems to be working in memory, in browser, in you can store it in buckets, in S3 or whatever. Seems interesting. Again, I'm not convinced that, you know, the, the whole like blockchain stuff is um, gonna work out well enough for to be basically consumer tech because so far it actually hasn't. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting project that uh, shows you how to build distributed things on top of blockchains. Maybe this is something that you're interested in. 
then do check DACDB out. Uh, if not, then, well, you know, you can probably skip it. Continuing, we got view infinite scroll, a view composition function that makes infinite scroll a breeze. So this is the component for Vue.js 3.0, which is still not released, right? So this is still release candidate, but it shows you how awesome the view composition API is. The new view composition API basically allows you to create the infinite scroll in your component by just uh, calling a bunch of functions and it just works amazingly well. Like the, the, the setup is super, super straightforward. So if you were curious about Vue 3 um, composition API and what you can do with it, this is a really, really good example. Do check it out. Okay, next thing we got here is SVG icons as React components. Uh, the website is literally called React SVG icons. Uh, for whatever reason, it's not a library. It's just a website that lists a bunch of React icon sets with their corresponding licenses. And then you can pick any set you want, like Bootstrap. It will show you the icons. And if you click on the icon, it will actually show you the React component that you can just copy and paste into your React app. It can also provide you the TypeScript component or React Native component if you want to. Not terrible, but I prefer the React icons library that basically does the same, but as a proper standalone component library, which you can just npm install and then import. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. So if you don't want to drag the whole library and you just need like two or three icons, do check this one out. Maybe this is exactly what you were looking for. Okay, continuing, we got my physics lab, a JavaScript classes to build real-time interactive animated physics simulation with a pretty damn impressive website that has a collection of physics simulation, stuff like springs, pendulums, rigid forces, uh, piles, whatever. There's a lot of them and uh, seems like a really nice demos basically. So um, you can, uh, wait, 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 you can basically change the, there's a, like a bunch of parameters that you can uh, tweak here in real time. And it also shows you the, um, uh, charts and times and graphs and basically pretty feature complete. So if you are interested in doing any physics simulation and you didn't want to build your own, um, I guess your own library for that, or your own framework or engine engine is what you call it. Right. Do check it out. This seems to be pretty damn solid. All right, continuing, we got Aeon, which is a lightweight date picker built with web components that can be used anywhere. So it's essentially a date picker web component that uh, looks pretty nice. There is a demo button somewhere. There we go. There's a basic example. Uh, you can style it. You can, you know, pick a demo, pick a date, pick a time. Seems pretty straightforward. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing super fancy, but very nice to use, very easy, and just under five kilobytes gzipped if you want to uh, embed it into your website. Since it's a web component, that means you can integrate it into pretty much anything. Um, I think React is pretty much the only framework that doesn't play that well with custom elements at the moment, but they are working on the um, to bring it to React 17, if I remember correctly. Uh, but we're going to see how that develops. Okay, continuing, we got Bumbag UI, uh, accessible and themable React application uh, UI with, uh, well, it, the, the name is just silly. Anyway, it looks like a really nice accessible and themable component library that has a ton of things here. Like the components it has is just insane. Anything you can imagine from buttons to cards to callouts go into the drawers, models, overlays, 
is just crazy and uh yeah looks really solid so and all of that is accessible all of that is themable all of that is um seems to be pretty nice to be honest so if you were looking for a complete all-in-one um component framework for your react app do check this out this looks really damn good okay Next thing we got here is Simd JSON Node.js. This is a Node.js bindings for Simd JSON project. So Simd JSON is a project that promises uh, parsing gigabytes of JSON per second. There is an actual research paper and it's an actual C C++ project that aims to be super efficient at parsing JSON and you know allows parsing really really large JSON a lot faster than the typical parsers because it uses simd as the title suggests and this is basically the node.js bindings for it which allow you to call this uh, from the node.js there is some benchmarks here and uh, while most of it is pretty impressive so like typically you get like one and a half two times improvement over the json parse um, keep in mind that there are some cases where it might be a bit slower which i found to be quite interesting um, but i guess you know it's was built for parsing the large json so don't use it to parse anything small-ish because it seems to be not doing that at a very consistent rate, let's put it this way. But anyway, if you're working with JSON, if you needed to parse really big files really fast, do check this project out. It seems to be pretty damn neat. Continuing, we got C8, output coverage reports using Node.js built-in coverage, a library that leverages Node.js built-in functionality to generate reports coverage reports that are compatible with istanbul reporters which could be quite damn handy and also seems to be basically zero overhead because it just uses whatever you already have in the node.js so if you're working a lot with testing and coverage and wanted to use something that is um well based on the node functionality <clears throat> apologies do check this one out it seems to be pretty damn good okay Continuing, we got MovieDex, a React and Node.js app that searches for movies using TMDB and OMDB. So this is more of a learning project that just um, unifies a bunch of APIs in a very nice UI and shows you how to do that with Node React Material UI. Unfortunately, no tests in here, but the UI itself looks pretty great. So, uh, or maybe I didn't notice tests. Maybe they are. I keep forgetting that some people keep tend to keep tests right next to the components. Let me just double check. No, there are no tests here. But the UI itself is uh, actually pretty good. So you got some um, nice overlays, nice cards, nice components, nice search results. Um, looks pretty good. So if you are curious how to build something like this, do check this one out. Right. And the last library we got here for today is Fast Design from Microsoft, which is uh, something that's interesting. So this is a set of web components from Microsoft that allow you to build nice UIs that also have like dark mode support and stylable components and they are accessible and everything. And uh, since it's a web components, you can use them with uh, pretty much everything aside from React, as I already mentioned today. And they do say that the basically React team is working on custom element support in version 17 and they are working together to provide seamless support uh, once this is shipped. So if you are curious, if you want to see how Microsoft handles the web components, do check this library out. It seems to be pretty damn good, actually. And there is already a ton of different components here that do um, different things and look pretty nice. So um, there you go. All right, that's it for the libs and demos. The last thing we got here for today is uh, in sort of a silly side of things. It's... Uh, 
If you haven't heard about the game called Fall Guys, uh, then, well, that's a new game that's just been released like a couple of days ago. And it's really fun. It's a casual game when you just compete with different people doing stupid stuff to win. And, uh, well, turns out they actually used um, HTML to render people's names. And people really quickly found out that you can do HTML injections in there to make your names look either really big or really big or render weird stuff that basically covers literally everything on a screen. I believe this was already fixed in the latest patches, but the fact that this was possible is just, first of all, really amusing. And second of all, it really shows you that HTML and JavaScript are freaking everywhere and uh, even used within the games to render different things because this is literally the easiest way to render interactive user interfaces, right? Uh, so there you go. That is actually it from my side. Uh, this was BXJS Weekly episode 126. If you guys have any questions, suggestions, or libraries you want to change, uh, yeah, change, libraries you want to highlight, do share it in the chat right now. Um, other than that, yeah, you can find all the links on the GitHub or on bxjs.dev as usual. You can join our Discord server if you want to discuss any of that. You can follow me on Twitter for retweets on the most of the things and uh, occasional shitposting from me, you can, uh, what else is there? You can follow Telegram channel where I gather all the links that sometimes not all of them make it into the podcast if you want like unfiltered stream. And uh, that's about it basically. We can hack NASA with HTML. Uh, I mean, I guess you could, but <laughs> I'm not sure NASA is worth hacking at this point because they do a lot of open source stuff, don't they? So like, I'm not sure there's anything that is not open source. I made a small example with PJS and MatterJS. Uh, do share it. Uh, so there's caveat, YouTube might eat your links when you post them into the chat. So you can either share in Discord, let me just open it real quick, or you can share in Twitch chat, which doesn't seem to eat links for whatever reason. That's a meme. Oh, that's a meme. Okay, I don't know that meme. Uh, please do share the meme as well. Uh, I want to know that meme too, because I do like my memes. Um, okay, so let me see. Um, okay, so if you are sharing your tiny URL, oh, okay, there we go. Um, tiny URL, yes. I, tiny, how do you spell tiny URL? Tinyurl.com slash, there we go. Uh, God damn it. No, I, of course I mistyped it because I cannot type. Right, there we go. P5JS Massimo. Uh, okay, probably blocking too much JavaScript here. Now, please get this working. Run. Okay, there we go. We got some uh, and drop balls. Matter so what is matter JS? I remember hearing about it somewhere. I'm probably even covered that, but I don't remember what it was. 2D rigid body physics engine. Okay, cool. So it's a physics engine, and this basically uses connects it, I guess, to P5JS to actually render the B5 things with rigid physics, which seems to be working perfectly fine. I wonder how many balls it can handle until it starts lagging. <laughs> okay, they actually seems to be disappearing off the screen. Unless we don't see... No, okay, so the canvas is limited and they disappear. Square. Static. What is static? Oh, okay, so I can just do that. Yes. This is exactly what I want to do. And then just... Uh... No, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, it just fixes them in place. I thought they would fall after I checked that, but uh, that was just a wrong assumption. That looks pretty nice. Nice demo. Uh, I mean, you would probably, I would probably put it on GitHub if I were you, because that's always a good 
a good idea in my opinion, even if it's a demo that is this small. Uh, here, Timmy, um, thank you for the podcast. I would like to know what you think about Colmac and Dvorak layouts for coding. Never tried them. I, I know some, like I have colleagues uh, who used Dvorak, for example, and they were happy with that, even though it took them like a few weeks to relearn it. I'm perfectly fine with the QWERTY layout. Like, you know, it works for me. I'm too freaking lazy to spend weeks relearning to Dvorak or whatever. Plus I play video games. So, you know, playing video games with Dvorak would probably not work that well. <laughs> I like, I don't have any, like, again, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this from the perspective of a person who has pretty good health. I don't have any problems with my joints or hands or anything like that. So, you know, QWERTY works fine for me. I don't see any reason to re relearn. I don't like my fingers don't suffer from anything. So if it works for you, just go for it. Like there's nothing wrong with that again, you know? So it's like, if, if, if you feel like Dwarak works better for you, go for it. I'm perfectly fine with QWERTY and I don't think I will relearn to Dwarak anytime soon is basically what I'm saying. All right, any more questions, suggestions, things you want to ask about? Um, I just keep dropping balls here. I don't know why. What am I doing with my life, basically? <laughs> I mean, it is 35 degrees outside, so I think I might be overheated a bit. Uh, thanks for mentioning Vue use infinite scroll. Vue composition API is very powerful. The logic we use, we gain is amazing. Yep, it is very, like, it's really, really... It's essentially the ans views answer to reusable hooks in React, right? So, and I really like the way they made it. Basically, it looks really, really cool. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking the view will get. I wonder if this is gonna blow up. Um, I think view will get a lot of really cool reusable, like micro libraries, I guess, um, with the release of this composition API. But yeah. Okay. Any more questions, suggestions, or other things you want to ask? What tool do you suggest for planning a medium-sized project? Uh, whatever you prefer. So like this is, uh, planning is a very subjective thing, right? So like most of the time you just want to use whatever works in your team. I personally prefer something like Kanban, so like Trello or uh, Asana or, you know, stuff like this. Uh, for small, medium-sized Trello is usually enough. For larger projects, you do want more features. So stuff like Asana is generally the way to go for me at least. But you know, if you don't like Kanban, if you prefer something else, GitHub issues might be good. Like if you, if it's a very small project and you get a very small team of like three, four people or whatever, just using GitHub issues might be sufficient. GitHub does have the, um, uh, you probably should not open that. That's a bad idea. <laughs> so GitHub does have the projects now, right? Which you can literally, so this is basically Kanban and you can have like uh, boards with tickets and everything. I never use that because I just keep sticking to Trello, but um, that is a thing and you can just go with that. Um, but yeah, it's like, it depends on the team and uh, what actually, what, what kind of uh, project you're working on and the size of it. Right. But start. So basically my typical policy is start as small as possible with as little tools as possible. So if you're already using GitHub, go for GitHub and don't try to add another thing unless you feel like, okay, GitHub is not enough for us. So we need to do something else, you know, so this is kind of my, uh, my approach to things. Okay. Any more questions, suggestions, or things you want to chat about? If not, we can wrap it up here and I can go die in a corner because it's going to be 36 degrees in one hour. And I'm probably just going to 
I don't know, go into the basement or something and hide under the coldest rock or something because this is just bleh. <laughs> I I am not made for heat like this. Let me let me tell you. All right. Well, doesn't seem like we got any more questions or suggestions. So thank you guys very much for watching. Thank you for your continued support. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something useful here today. Again, join Discord if you have any more questions or suggestions. I'll be more than happy to chat with you there. Thank you for watching. Have an awesome rest of the weekend or rest of the week if you're watching the video of this. And I see you next time.